So, first of all, Grant, thank you very much for coming on the show today. I know you're an extremely busy guy with everything you're doing, and I really appreciate your time. In fact, when we came in here today, you were right in the middle of something. Grant, why don't you uh, fill in the gaps? Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, uh, how long you've been in the wine business, and how you ended up in Kelowna. Hey, well, thanks thanks for having me. I really appreciate um, you guys coming out, and yeah, it's it's always busy times in this industry. I think when you when you work in the wine industry, you're um, you're always hustling. There's not a single person I meet in the industry who's just casually going about their business. There's there's always a plethora of things to do, and we just got our tasting room back open, and that's exciting. And uh, it's looking like it did last year, which is always nice. So we've got our art hung on the walls, and people are coming in and enjoying themselves. We've got people picnicking up here right now. Um, as far as like my history in the industry and, and where I came from... Um, I was born in Port Alberni, like we'll go all the way back to the beginning, June 13th, 1983, 3.19 p.m. on a Monday, (laughs) Um, Christine uh, and Lee gave birth to their their son, that's me, and uh, the wheels were set in motion to get to where I am today. Um, Growing up in Port Alberni, really nice small community, great uh, educators there in the school system, and uh, great local sports teams. Uh, my grandmother and my grandfather on my mother's side are, are the reason I got into food and wine. My grandmother's French, my grandfather's Italian, and uh, food and wine was always around, birthdays, celebrations, uh, and, you know, I only have positive memories to associate with it. Um, when I went to, to school, when I graduated, I went into kinesiology and found out very quickly that uh, it wasn't for me. Uh, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I don't think people should go to university right out of high school. I think it's important to, I don't know, just kind of figure out life as it comes at you. Um, You're always asked, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up? And uh, winemaker was never an option when you're in high school and and you're not even allowed to drink. So (laughs) after after traveling for a while and working in nice restaurants, I was in Victoria at the Hotel Grand Pacific and I started tackling the uh, International Sommelier Guild's diploma program. And uh, after three years, I I graduated from that with my (laughs) International Sommelier diploma and uh, helped open a couple restaurants and, and a liquor store there. So I have a restaurant and retail background. And uh, in 2010, early 2010, I, um, I told all my friends that I was moving to Kelowna to uh, make wine. So I sold all my stuff. I moved here, didn't know a soul. And uh, my friends kind of said I was full of shit. And I, <laughs> I look at me now. I've, I, I'm a big, big believer in, in projection and in manifestation. And uh, I think when you say something enough times, it, it ends up just becoming a reality at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. in 2010, when I moved here, um, I didn't know anybody in the industry. So I worked in a restaurant, uh, Rod's Regional Table, just downtown. Yep. Uh, I was, uh, you know, the best of the best. And it allowed me to meet a lot of people from the wine industry, proprietors and winemakers and people who worked in the industry. And after a couple of years there, um, I was doing chemistry while working there. 
there. I needed a foundation in chemistry and winemaking as an art and in a science. So uh, just a, a light foundation in chemistry. And then the UC Davis distance program out of California for enology or, or winemaking is what I did. And uh, it wasn't until I was 29 years old. It was September of 2012. I, I started my first uh, leap into the wine industry at Mount Boucherie Winery uh, just across the lake uh, at the foot of Mount Boucherie, which is, which is a volcano, which is cool. Um, I was working with Jim Faulkner there. I just brought in as a seller hand. Uh, there was three of us to do 425 tons of fruit. And uh, it, was, it was a hustle. And I, I remember, you know, in the early days, in the very beginning, um, realizing very quickly that winemaking, uh, although it seems glamorous, is just a lot of cleaning and moving heavy shit. <laughs> um, so we, uh, we did harvest. The assistant winemaker who was there at the time uh, was from Oregon, and he ended up getting a job back in Oregon. And so he moved uh, with his family back to Oregon. And Jim, uh, the winemaker, needed to hire an assistant winemaker. I didn't have the qualifications for it or the experience. But I asked him, I was like, give me two weeks to, to let me prove myself. And then you can let me do the assistant winemaker's job, but you don't need to give me the title and you don't need to pay me that much. And uh, on a tight budget, it looked really good to him. So mm-hmm. after two weeks, he decided that he wasn't going to hire assistant winemaker and he was going to let me see the, the harvested 2012 grapes into bottle with him. And so I just, I mean, I just worked my ass off there. And then uh, on my 30th birthday, I um, gave my notice. I wanted to go see other things. I think it's important to get a foundation um, with experiences from from different winemakers in different regions. Uh, And so when I quit, I quit in the morning. And then 3.30 that afternoon, I got a call from David Pattison at Tantalus Vineyards, the winemaker there. And he's like, I heard you're looking for a job, which was uh, news to me because I didn't tell anybody (laughs) other than the staff there. But I guess word travels fast. And I ended up doing Harvest in 2013 with David at Tantalus. And then I uh, worked with a gentleman from New Zealand that harvest as well. And he set me up with uh, a vintage down in on the South Island of New Zealand in central Otago. So I went down there in the beginning of 2014 and did a... Um, a harvest just making Pinot Noir in, in central Otago in the, in the town of Crompton, or Cromwell, if you will. Um, and, uh, and then back to Tantalus in, in 24, uh, 2014 for um, the, a second harvest there. I really loved what they did in 2013. Uh, I got to walk through the vineyard and taste fruit uh, and was part of the decision-making for um, harvesting, which is which is one of the most important factors in winemaking, and and got to see every aspect of it there. David Pattison is is um, a legend in the industry, and he's he's made a name for himself over the last decade, and he's done uh, incredible things there with Riesling and Chardonnay and Pinot Noir and his bubble programs out of this world, and so with that foundation. Um, I applied to become the vineyard manager at a property up in East Kelowna with 13 acres of vinifera planted, and I'd never worked a day in a vineyard in my life. So applying for that job was was pretty interesting. I um, met with the family, and they asked me why I was applying for a job where I had no experience, and I said that I could do it. 
and didn't necessarily think anything of it. Two weeks later, I got a call from Rhea Kitch, and she said that I had got the job. I said, oh, shit, and, and immediately booked myself back into school for viticulture down in uh, Penticton. And then first day on the job was December 5th, uh, 2014. We were just going to grow grapes and sell them. The, the idea was never to start a winery, but my first day on the job, I stood at the top of the vineyard. I looked at the property with the, the castle that they had built that's covered in granite and the beautiful vineyard that surrounds it, its proximity to the city. And, and I was like, they've built a proper chateau and they didn't even know it. This, this isn't a place that's a vineyard that's going to sell fruit. This is a place that is going to be around forever, make, growing fruit and making wine. Right. So I, uh, I wrote a bit of a, a business plan for them, um, which was uh, loose at best, because you never really know what you're getting yourself into until you get there. But yeah. uh, the numbers looked good, and they were happy with it. They didn't, we didn't have a space to make wine, so they were like, well, where are we going to make wine? And uh, the three-bay garage of the almost 15,000-square-foot house was empty, and I was like, the garage is perfect. It's got everything I need. And uh, they were cool with it. So went through the licensing process, got our licensing in, in place on September 2nd, and then September 3rd of 2015, I picked our first uh, first fruit for Kitsch Wines. And, and since then, it's it's just been uh, living a dream, really. I've got the best job in the world. <laughs> right. So the first time you had a drink, did you always like wine? Is that, is, is that the only thing you drink today? Oh, <laughs> that's a funny question um i was i remember i i when i was like i said my my grandmother's french my grandfather's italian so yeah. the, my first sip of wine would have been um baby duck i would have been i was probably <laughs> six months old at the time i was born in june and then uh at christmas time it was family tradition for all the kids to get their little thimble or you know small little shot glass of of the sparkling wine and and and, and have that be part of the culture and part of part of your life in in, in a european family so um i don't remember my first sip i do remember the first time i got intoxicated though i was uh, 11 years old it was new year's we were at the grandparents house for New Year's, and I and I I stole a bottle of Baby Duck and I drank it under the kitchen table, and everybody's like, "Where's Grant?" And um, I came out uh, and was was stumbling a little bit, and they knew what had happened. I got in a bit of trouble, and uh, from there, I, I've I've built a really solid relationship around alcohol. I there's there's two things for certain: you need to eat and you need to drink in life. Um, so when I approach eating and drinking, I, I try to do it the best that I can. Um, coming from a bartending background, uh, I, I have a bit of a mixology background, so created created cocktail lists uh, for multiple restaurants. Um, and, I mean, as far as what I drink, I drink everything. It takes a lot of beer to make wine. So when it's 43 degrees out and I've worked a day in the vineyard and, you know, harvested fruit or uh, gone through uh, hedging or, or shoot thinning or tucking or whatever we may be doing, uh, the, the last thing I want is a big red wine. I want to I wanna crush a beer. So I, I, drink, <laughs> I drink a lot of microbrew and uh, I drink a lot of... Um, a lot of everything. I don't know. I rarely drink the same thing twice, and that's what's exciting about the microbrew scene right now is that you know you can pick up a different beer every day for an entire year and never drink the same beer twice, and that's that's the way I look at wine as well. Um, it, you can't even scratch the surface of wine. 
um, you know, and and drinking the same thing twice just doesn't make sense to me, mm-hmm. um, unless it's my wine. I do I do taste that, and my friend's wine I drink twice, but when I'm out buying wine, um, I, 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 I yeah, yeah, something yeah. different, something that's gonna inspire and educate, and um, yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of what I drink is everything. <laughs> but my favorite my favorite wine is whatever's in my glass at the time. Right. So you touched on this at the beginning. Um, you said there's science and art to making wine. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the process. What makes one wine taste different from another? And tell us a little bit about the art that you try to put into it. Yeah, I, I'm a firm believer um, that winemaking is an art and a science. I don't have a massive uh, chemistry background. I'm not a, you know, a biochem major or anything like that. So uh, my approach to making wine is strictly from an artist's point of view. I, I'm a firm believer that wine is made in the vineyard. And if you grow the best fruit you possibly can, you're going to make good wines effortlessly. It's impossible to make good fruit or good wine from bad fruit, um, but you can still make bad wine from good fruit if you don't treat it with the respect it deserves. So uh, I think with the work we put into our vineyard, um, our terroir, if you will, we're southwest facing and on this East Kelowna bench. We have sun all day, every day. Uh, there's a beautiful gradual slope. So when it does rain like it has over these past couple of weeks, we have this... Uh, the four o'clock chop come off the lake and the the winds uh, come through the vineyard and dry everything out really, really quickly, making it an ideal place to, to grow grapes. Um, with those good grapes, I when it comes time to harvesting, I walk through the vineyard for three weeks prior to picking grapes and I just taste taste grapes. I'll walk down rows and I'll taste from the morning sun side and the afternoon sun side. And uh, I do a little bit of chemistry just to look at where my sugar levels and acid levels are. Uh, but just basic chemistry. I don't really need to know much more information than uh, my potential alcohol and where my natural acidity is resting. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a firm believer of, of picking grapes exactly where you want them and then babysitting them in the tasting room. Really, I think that the art of winemaking is knowing when to intervene and knowing when to just not do anything. And I've, over the last three years, I've, I've gained a lot of confidence in, in just trusting my palate and, and, and watching uh, what the wines are doing on a daily basis and multiple times a day in some cases, and then just acting accordingly. Grant, what do you like to do for fun besides drinking wine and microbrews? I've got the best job in the world. I, I, I feel like when you find yourself in a position that you have a job but it never feels like work, that becomes fun. I, I love uh, engaging and meeting new people, and this wine industry is all about that. I have the ability to come across hundreds of people a day in the tasting room that I've never met before and hear their story and why they're here and, and what they're looking for from an experience and, and then providing that. I, I like to host dinner parties and and uh, I've got a, a, a lot of friends that are really good chefs so when you get together and you have good food and good wine 
Um, you just create these experiences that turn into memories, and and that's that's kind of the way I look at wine. As soon as as soon as I put it into bottle and I look at it in a case and I see people grab it off the shelves and buy it, I'm not selling wine. I'm selling a future experience where they're going to go off and they're going to enjoy that in whatever setting it may be. Um, but hopefully it creates a memory that they keep forever and we're just a small part of that. Wine's not supposed to be, to me, uh, the experience is just a, supposed to enhance an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I... I think about that. I don't know. Did I even answer your question? (laughs) Has your style of winemaking evolved or changed much over the years? I guess when I look at winemaking, I've made three vintages so far. 2015 was our first vintage. We made 1,000 cases. We just made Pinot Gris, Riesling, Chardonnay, and Pinot Noir. And then in 2016, I, I released a couple new vintages or new wines. Uh, we did a dry Riesling and a classic-style Riesling. And I also put down a uh, Blanc de Blanc or a Champagne Method sparkling wine from Chardonnay, uh, which we'll see on Lees. It's been on Lees for two years now. Um, Oh, almost two years, but we'll we'll see that uh, stay on lees until I I think it's ready to be released. Uh, as in terms of wine style, Mother Nature dictates the style of wine I make every year. Um, this isn't brewing beer. When you brew beer, you can pound out the exact same beer and tweak your recipe every single day for the rest of your life. When winemaking, uh, I've made three vintages. I say I've got twenty seven more vintages left, so I have twenty seven times left in my life that I get to make a wine that I think is perfect and I and I and I hope I never do I'll, I'll always be striving to um, work with mother nature from that season and make the best wines that I possibly can from that season I'm a big fan of personal transformation stories would you say you're the exact same person you were when you were a little kid having a glass of baby duck under the table 11 years old, or have you changed? Do you have a story from your past that would kind of surprise someone who just got to know you today about how much you've changed, how different you think or you act? Yeah, I mean, I think growing up in the small town of Port Alberni, there's there's two directions that life could have gone. Um, I The day I graduated, I, I always knew that the world was a big place and that I wanted to see more of it. So... Um, the day I graduated was the day I left Port Alberti, and uh, I, I didn't I didn't look back. Um, I wouldn't say that anybody is the same person as they were when they're they're a kid. I, I mean, I a huge part of who I am are, are the foundation pieces of my life that were around when I was growing up. So, you know, there's there's a lot of people who influenced my life to get me to where I am today, and there's people in my life today that are influencing me to get to where I'm going to be tomorrow. I, I tend to surround myself with positive people who, who look at life as... Um, I don't know, a pretty special place to be and, and that I don't have any bad days. Like, I, I'm, I'm a pretty positive person. I, I find that I can uh, roll with the ebb and flow of life really naturally and, and in a positive manner. I don't dwell on things. I think there's two times in my life where um, some people may have 
reacted differently than what I did, but I the reason I'm here right now is because of getting fired from two separate jobs. I got fired from a job in Victoria, which propelled me into saying that I was going to move to the Okanagan to make wine. And then when I was in Kelowna, I was at a restaurant that I unfortunately got fired from um, because I had a disagreement with one of the managers. And and three days. Tell us about that at all. Well, or? I just I told my manager he was a joke and he was bad at his job, which is which which wasn't true. And like we're. I mean, was true, um, and he, and we're still good friends to this day. So I think that uh, you know, I you you take you take uh, opportunities that could be deemed as negatives and turn them into positives. And I've I found a way to do that throughout my entire life and my entire career. Like I don't dwell on things for more than a minute. If it's not going to affect me five years down the road, it's not going to affect me five minutes from when it happens. I just don't. I just don't let it happen that way. It sounds like if you have a setback, it's very temporary. You bounce back, like, almost immediately. Have you ever faced moments where you're like, am I doing the right thing? Should I really be doing this with my my time and my career? Uh, those moments of self-doubt? Um, yeah, I, I think... I think if you don't have self-doubt in your life, you're not really living it. I, I find comfort on the edge of comfort. I think that that's where the magic happens. I don't think that you really know who you are until you put yourself in a position that your life um, is going to drastically change one way or another, whether it works out or not. So from applying for a job that I had no business doing. I had never drove a tractor before um, starting here, and I had to teach myself how to do absolutely everything from scratch. And and that comes with having a good network of peers around me that I could bounce questions off of. It comes from um, working my... Off, for lack of a better phrase, like I've I've poured my heart and soul into this project for the last three and a half years, and when I first started, I I thought I would give it a year, um, and then after that first year, I'm like, okay, we'll do three years, and we're over three and a half years down the road, and I I love the family that I work for, the Kitch family is incredible. I'm part of their family now. Uh, there's you know key times of the year where I need to be working in the winery, and and that 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 covers you know Chris. And, and Easter and, and Thanksgiving, so um, I don't make it back to see my family during those times, but they've really um, made me feel like a part of their family, and it's a pretty special place to be, and I have no intentions of going anywhere. I'm really happy with where I am, and at the end of the day, I'm trying to, to build a family legacy for the Kitsch family and have this winery exist here in the Okanagan in this East Kelowna bench uh, for you know, long after I'm gone. We farm sustainably so that the vineyards will be functioning uh, well after I'm gone. And, you know, it's life is about sustainability. And, and as far as, um, you know, the, the hard times, they're just opportunities to, to bounce back. So you're constantly questioning yourself. Uh, in this industry, you know, like, am I doing the right things in the, in the vineyard? Am I am I making the right wine? Are people going to like it? You know, the way we market ourselves, are, are people going to be receptive to that? And well, the thing that I love about what we're doing is I authentically get to be myself. Um, I swear every once in a while, I'm sorry if that offends you. Um, too bad. Um, but... Uh, 
I, I love that I've, I've found a place where I get to creatively be exactly who I am and I don't have to change who I am for anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not very often that people give you the opportunity that the Kitsch family's given me. And I, when you're, I've always, I always wanted an opportunity that I'd be able to push myself with. And, and this one here is, has, uh, has definitely allowed me to, to, to see what I'm made of. And, and I'm very proud of where we've gotten so far. Is there one or two things about this business or your job that you just love, like you're excited to get to work every day? Yeah, I, I, I don't, like I said, I don't have any bad days. I, I love um, every, every part of the season, every part of the growing season, every part of the winemaking process is, is, is exciting to me. I don't think there'll ever be a time where I get bored to go walk through the vineyard uh, approaching harvest and tasting fruit and, and watching that fruit develop and knowing that I could push it three or four more days to build, you know, the, the phenolic structure of the grapes and, and, and have them really, really shine. Um, I love working in the tasting room, having people come up for their first time and they park in the parking lot and they roll up to the, the mansion and they were walking down the driveway and they see this 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 massive house that's covered in four inch granite that's been hand chiseled and they don't really know what to expect if they've never been here before and you walk around the corner to where the garage is in the tasting room and Tupac's playing or Biggie's playing <laughs> and and they're confused because they're like it looks like it could potentially be another pretentious winery and, and we're really breaking that mold here so um as far as what what gets me off in the industry, every aspect. I I love human interaction and meeting new people. I love seeing people come up here and and experiencing us for what we're doing and and really loving what we're doing. You know, there's people drinking wine in the picnic table next to us and they're smiling and laughing and and to me coming from a hospitality background uh, I just hope to deliver the best experience that we could possibly deliver to our guests when they come up and that's that's kind of what I want to be known for is is the culture of what we're doing um, the, sure the wines you know I think they they speak for themselves and they've gotten a lot of great reviews lately um, but for me I, I uh, it's all about that guest interaction and having people come up and then blowing their minds with, you know, something as, as little as a little winery in a garage surrounded by vineyard with a beautiful view of the Okanagan. It's, it's a pretty special place to be. Yeah. We met you at the um, liquor store down by where we live. You were giving a tasting of Kitsch wines and uh, it's obvious that you love what you do. Is there anything about this business that you find challenging or frustrating? Because the BC wine industry is so young, we're less than 40 years of age, so, you know, around the same age as I am, um, I'm 35, but in the BC wine industry is about the same age as me, so we're still trying to find our identity, I think, as an industry, and... For me, I, I guess the thing that frustrates me most about the industry is um, I tend to um, levitate towards uh, the microbrew industry. I feel like we're more like a microbrewery than we are a winery, just with the youthfulness of what we're doing, the kind of you know, just doing what we want and not caring what other people think. I don't think there's a ton of wineries that are that are doing that. Uh, there seems to be this um, level of 
almost pretension in a way in within the industry and I those are barriers that I want to break down uh, and, and I think we do that through you know our social media and everything that we we do outside of you know our tasting room it's it's all about uh you know, with our social media, I, I walk people through the steps of how to prune a grapevine in the winter and then every step in the vineyard all the way through to harvesting. And then once the grapes are harvested, I'll walk you through every step in the winery. We have nothing to hide with what we're doing. And um, I think it's a really cool story to be able to share our daily hustle with with the world. Um fruits tough this right now uh, like we are making single vineyard single site wines and uh, this past vintage we made 3,000 cases and I'm looking to make 5,000 cases this coming year and the the only way to do that is to um, find some vineyard land that we can plant out and then see return of fruit often in four years from now or um, or outsource uh, fruit from growers that are near us. Uh, we are in the North Okanagan, so aromatic whites with Pinot Gris, Chardonnay and Riesling are what we grow on site and our only red wine is Pinot Noir. Uh, all the Pinot Noir from our site goes into rosé, so I do purchase uh, Pinot Noir grapes from other growers in the North Okanagan. I've got a grower 500 metres away. Uh, I had one up in Lake Country that unfortunately sold her vineyard. The good news is that she loved growing grapes and now she's working for us here. And that just goes to show kind of the culture of what we're doing is that, you know, somebody who doesn't need to work in a vineyard and and could easily retire loves growing fruit and and wants to work with us and what we're doing because they believe in what we're doing. And that makes it really special. So as far as struggles go, um, sourcing fruit's a bit of a pain in the ass. Um, I didn't make enough rosé or gris or riesling, but we're going to sell out, and and that's not that's not a bad thing either. These right. are all these are all good problems to have. Right. So I want to put you on the spot, Grant. Uh, can you think of someone in the city of Kelowna who you find to be a fascinating person, and who you would love to see come on this show in the future? Trent and Ria own the winery. Um, Trent started Saks Underwear back uh, in the day when he was doing his MBA at Ivy in Ontario. And uh, I think their story of, of being young entrepreneurs and getting to where they've, they've gotten today is, 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 a, is a story that deserves to be told to everybody. Um, you know, they, they have a fascinating life. They're raising beautiful children. And, and you know, I think they are living in, like I am, that Okanagan lifestyle and the Okanagan dream of, of they own a vineyard and, you know, they have successful businesses. They've got a winery. They're under 40. Uh, they've got a medical cannabis company, uh, which is more of a recreational cannabis company than how that is <laughs> recreationally legal. Um, but really brand-focused and really passionate people. I didn't know that I had three or four more gears in in my life until I met them and saw how fast-paced they were, how quick they were to get things done, and and I wouldn't be who I am. You're talking about influencers in my life. I wouldn't be who I am or where I am without seeing them doing what they do for a living. So if someone wants to come and see you here, uh, tell tell us how to get here, and what are your hours of operation? We are up in East Kelowna. Um, you're going to go up uh, KLO, turn left onto East Kelowna Road, and then take your first left onto Need Road and stay left once you get on Need Road. 
uh, and that'll take you to 3330 Mead Road. And that's where Kitch Wines is. Google Maps still has troubles finding us, so if you do get lost, just give us a shout, and we'll be able to uh, to to guide you to to the to the homeland. <laughs> that's great, Grant. Thank you very much for your time today. Um, I've learned something about the wine business, and we certainly got to know you better on a personal level. So I want to thank you again for your time. I, and thank you for having me. It's it's cool to be able to get together on the the long weekend Saturday and and know that the people that I have in the tasting room running the show while well, it's it's busy and there's you know another dozen people showing up right now that everything's under control and uh, it just goes to show that um, what we're doing up here is is being well received by the community and and we're just going to keep getting bigger and badder as as we go on. That was so much fun. As soon as we finished the interview with Grant Biggs, we got to do a tasting with him up at Kitch Winery. Now we are publishing three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And coming up this week, we've got Stephen Maser from Raymond James, Scott Stanger from Optimize Health and Nutrition, and Bonita Summers from Spirit Kelowna. And if you would like to come on this show or nominate someone for the show, hit us up at Facebook, the I Love Kelowna podcast. Also, we would really appreciate it if you would give us a five-star review on iTunes. We'll see you next week.